everybody, and welcome back to the Be a Dreamcatcher podcast. Let me tell you, I am beyond thrilled to have a very special guest on the show with me today. I have with me Mr. Barry Amato. So let's get into this. I'm going to let you actually tell us a little bit about your history because I'm sitting here looking at it and I'm seeing world class dance instructors, uh, chore- you know, choreography, musical producer, TV program host, and a ton more. So let's get down to the nuts and bolts. Tell me about your fabulous life. This is insane. Well, thank you, Jessalyn, and thanks for having me on today. Uh, it's just it's great to be able to talk to you. I know we've been trying to connect for a while, so I'm glad we're finally getting to do that. And um, I'm excited. Yes. Well, we Darian and I have been around the Nashville area for so long now. Um, we actually met when we were at the Opryland theme park that used to be here in Nashville. Yes. And that's where we met. So uh, we started dating back in 1987 and we've been together now for, well, I guess what I do the math here from 1987 and now what, 34 years. Wow. That is fantastic. Oh my goodness. Thank you. And we've just, uh, we've been two stepping through life happily together since then we 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 don't know any other way except to work together so it, it, i know a lot of married couples can't uh, echo that sentiment but that's one thing that darian and i've always be able, have enjoyed to be able to do is everything in our career have uh, has been together right we actually when we did uh after we left opryland we went up to dollywood and we were hired as singer dancers up there as well after our stint at uh, opryland and uh, eventually we just became show directors and, and choreographers for the productions up there. It was just something that it was just a God thing, the way it just fell into place for us because we, we, you know, we had a background in music. We had somewhat of a background in dancing, but not to the extent of producing. Uh, and that's something that just uh, a skill that we were, we were blessed to, to hone over the years. Right. And uh, which now jumping forward, which we'll get to is, is we're doing so much of now, but we came back to Nashville, uh, excuse me, yeah, back to Nashville from Pigeon Forge after we were at Dollywood, and we were offered the position to uh, produce and choreograph the Wild Horse Saloon television dance series, which was on the ne- now defunct television network, the Nashville network back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Country music was at an all-time high, big boom, Garth Brooks, all that, and just kind of set the, the stage in motion for, our, for the country dancers. So the show was pretty much like a a American bandstand style show where just anybody could come on the show and dance. And we had special guests on the show. Uh, You know, that was the launch of people like Shania Twain and Kenny Chesney and Trace Atkins. They were all on the show in the early days of their career. Right. And um, eventually what they did was Darian and I taught a segment on the show every day and it eventually became popular enough where they syndicated just our segment on CMT Europe and CMT Latin America. And that pretty much introduced us to a global audience of the dance community that we didn't even realize that was going on out there. So we spent the next 10 years of our life traveling 47 weekends a year all around the globe. And we were teaching dance and performing uh, every weekend. We didn't know if we were coming or going. And it, it finally got to the point after 10 years, we were like, okay, we need to come home and stay home because right. we love being home. And it just was one of those things that uh, we saw the world early on in our in our career and uh, got the traveling bug out of our system. 
So now we're back here in Nashville where we started our own production company and we uh, produce live entertainment for the various corporate events that come into Nashville on a regular basis. Wow. So we work all the different event planners and destination management companies that are here in Nashville. I guess we become part of their speed dial for all entertainment needs. That's a and good we, problem to have. <laughs> it really has. And, and, and what it is, is you learn to say yes to everything they ask you if you can do it. And you go, yes, even though you don't know whether or not you can produce it or not. Right. And then eventually you have all these things in your back pocket. And when they are resold again, it's, it's something that we were, we were able to, you know, to do all over again. So, right. Uh, so that's a, it was a good lesson for us to just always say yes to everything. <laughs> People ask us what we can do. Um, spent three years on the Grand Ole Opry as a host on the uh, on the Opry, and then got offered a uh, a position to be the MC for our uh, AAA baseball team here, the Nashville Sounds, at our baseball stadium in Nashville. So I've been there for six seasons as their MC. Wow! And uh, we just released our our first children's book, and uh, that's doing extremely well. And we are in the midst of opening up a brand new show, Nashville's newest holiday attraction this next week called We Need a Lot of Christmas, which Darian and I had the opportunity to write and produce and choreograph. So we've been doing a lot of large stage productions uh, this past year. When COVID opened, everything opened back up in the entertainment industry. Right. It was kind of a floodgate for us where we were just uh, able to start jumping back in and, and uh, producing and choreographing live musical productions. So here we are. It's Christmas all the way for us right now. And it's uh, exciting because it's a good thing we love Christmas because it starts in June for us. Right. <laughs> almost, a, almost a year round thing. So, so, so Hallmark I, Channel is on to something with Christmas in July, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. my gosh. Uh, you know what amazes me? So um, it, it, it has been absolutely amazing. You you said earlier we've been trying to, to get this together here for a little bit, but I love receiving texts back that are like, hey, I'm busy. We're working on this production at so-and-so for this, this, and this. And I'm like, that's fine. I'll, you know, just whenever you have time, that is majorly more important. And I'm over here going, I'm having a freak out moment. I'm like, what? No way. And I, it, it just amazes me that, uh, I mean, it's you just don't expect that text message to come on, you know, your phone in, in a personal, you know, setting. So I'm over here mind blown. And then just reading through y'all's bio and um i know you mentioned darianne is actually working on a production today so that's why she couldn't join us today but i'm sitting here going what in the world like this is insane i i have major new life goals <laughs> <laughs> well you know we just you know life has been is made to live and we just want to do as much as we can and and encourage others to to do the same because it, you know dream it and, and go for it and do it see that's and that's perfect because this is what this podcast is about is be a dream catcher you know of course that has a little um tie into my native american heritage but you know i think people are looking for something today that they're only going to be able to find in their in their heart and in and in their dreams i think people today we talked about this earlier um I was on another phone conversation and we were talking about the fact that technology is wonderful. It makes our lives, especially in the music industry, and I'm sure in y'all's industry as well, a whole heck of a lot easier. But yeah. I think it, it, it takes away some of what I'd like to call the authenticity or authentic relationships with people. Um, 
I, I love how you brought up, you know, you said yes to anything, even if you weren't sure if you could produce it or not. And and that right. was something that came up yesterday on a, on a phone call that I was on. And he said, you know, we just, we, 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 you know, the, the old saying, fake it till you make it. He's like, we just all faked it together because, you know, everybody's success and the job being done depended on everybody. So you're kind of sitting in the room looking at everyone going, okay, well, do you have an idea or uh, what's, you know, <laughs> how are we going right. to get this done? How are we going to work together to get it done? And um, I just, I think um, in the industry today, I think we're robbed a little bit of that authentic one-on-one looking at one another going, well, do you have an idea? I'm not sure how this goes because Google and YouTube make it a little too easy, I think, for us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I have a friend and, and his mantra, he, he says it to me all the time, uh, jack of all trades, master at none. And right. I don't I don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that you, you can you can master a lot of things if you set your mind and your goals to it. So, right. you know, that, that's just something that I that we like to live by. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I get you 100 percent. And we've become a I, I think we've become jaded in this world as far as just that whole authenticity and that one-on-one that we all need and, and, and to help generate and motivate and get people moving forward on, on new ideas. Absolutely. And I agree with you 100%. I, I will be the first to tell you. Um, so, you know, they know me as Alabama singing cowgirl. And I got tickled. I had a, a conversation the other day. I was in Nashville and we were talking. They're like, oh, what do you do? And and I told him, I said, you know, I still coach and train and, and do the country music thing full time. And uh, this this woman, she asked me, she's like, well, when do you decide? And I looked at her kind of funny and I said, you're, you're going to have to help me out with that one. I'm not I'm not sure I understand the question. What do you mean by decide? And she said, well, you know, at some point there will be a time when you have to decide what it is you want to do. And I said, no. I'm like, no. I'm good at mixing things together, and it has worked out quite well. I don't think I'll ever, uh, you know, just settle on one thing. It's, it's The horses are a part of my music, and my music is a part of the horse industry. So, no. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. So, I definitely am throwing a big three-point shot up for, you know... Um, uh, you can master multiple things if you put your mind to it. I just absolutely love it. Um, let me ask you this. So a phenomenal background, uh, all of these amazing experiences. Um, what kind of lets you know that this was it? This was what you wanted to do full time and just really kind of propelled you into this this world. What, what, what lets you know? Well, I actually started when I was a young boy living in Connecticut, and uh, my first album that my parents bought me was uh, Tanya Tucker's first album. Yes. And I learned that album forwards and back, every song on it. So I decided one day that my brother and I were going to go out in our backyard. We we, uh, set up the picnic table, and we put the benches in front, and we were going to charge the neighborhood kids five cents to come and hear me sing these songs. I love it. So all the kids came, they paid their five cents and my parents were watching out the back window. And afterwards they asked me as, as to whether or not this was something that I wanted to do. Uh-huh. It's not and that they were forcing upon me. And I said, I really do. So, uh, 
we went and started me on voice lessons and I eventually, we started me with a band up in Connecticut. We started touring up there. Uh, we were, I was recording for a, a record label in Wheeling, West Virginia and was a member of the WWBA Jamboree in Wheeling for years mm-hmm. and toured and opened for uh, Dolly Parton and Johnny Paycheck and George Jones and Tammy Wynette. So I did as much as I could as a child in the New England area so my parents moved to Nashville, and uh, after I graduated from high school, I started college and then realized that this burning desire in, inside of me, I, I thought maybe maybe I was going to try to do something with it, but maybe not. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I just went great guns and just decided this is what I'm going to do. I just want to be in entertainment, and I just want to do anything that's entertainment driven and uh, just kind of set my my sight on it at such an early age right and was blessed to be able to do that and have a unusual childhood in that because I would travel on the weekends and then take my schoolwork with me on like a Thursday and Friday and my my school my teachers were all open to doing that and my parents just supported me and took me everywhere we wanted to where we needed to go in, in our travel so to go back to your question I just knew at an early age this is what, what I wanted to do it was just something that I thought this is going to be my lifelong goal. And I know at eight years old, a lot of people don't know what they want to do with their lives. I think they do. But um, I've carried through with it to this to this day. So uh, first of all, OK, I'm on back up to the eight years old thing. And I'm oh. going to back your statement 100 percent that actually I do think kids know what they want to do and what they want to be. Um, mm-hmm. One of the crucial elements that you mentioned that I, I'd like to touch base on is your family and the fact that they supported you and that support system was there from day one. Now, this is part of what this podcast is about because majority of the people uh, that may be listening maybe don't have a home support system that's going to be willing to take them everywhere they need to go to get this done or uh, may not have the financial ability. But what I want people to understand, first of all, if you know you're a kid listening to this podcast or if you're like I like to say an adult kid listening to this podcast and you still have that dream from that 8-year-old child's perspective here's the great news you can do it today um, there are plenty of resources and stuff out there that can actually help you develop your support system if you don't have one so um Barry, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. And and how do you think, I mean, obviously, my parents have been a huge support of everything that I've ever wanted to do. So first and foremost, you know, God family has been the biggest support system that I could ever ask for. But in in your opinion, how, how, it's even hard for me to describe it because it's so, it's so broad and, and large. How important would you say that that support system was and still is today? Because obviously in in your position now, you, you have to have support teams around you and all of that. But kind of elaborate on that just a little bit for us. Sure. You know, when I was eight years old and this was something that I wanted to do, um, my mom was more of a driving force in it than my dad. At first, my dad was skeptical. My dad was like, you know, son, I really, I know you want to do this, but I'm afraid that you're going to go out there and you're going to make a fool of yourself. And and then when he saw that my persistency, my determination and my tenacity as a child, I knew that that's what I wanted to push through. And I had to find a place in in me as a young child to kind of place that in the back of my head and go, you know what? I know what I want to do. And I know not every child is a strong-willed child. Um, 
so it, it's 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 a hard thing for a child that has aspirations of, of moving forward into something and not knowing you have that mechanism behind you of, of the support of your your family because that is so very important and i think the one thing that i would want to say to parents that are out there listening that i'm i'm a living proof that you have to get behind your child no matter what it is they want to do and and i think that's that's a missing element that that takes place in so many kids because i've had to i've had conversations with a lot of young performers uh that i really want to do this but you know my mom and dad want me to go to college and and college is an important thing i would never tell anybody not to go to college mm-hmm. um you know it's an education is important yeah. uh, you do have to have a backup plan i didn't have a backup plan i knew what i wanted so i know every situation can be just a little bit different but the nucleus is it, it does have to start in in the in the center of the family first where you have to have that and if you're a child listening and you know that you don't have that just stand strong and believe in what you are and what your convictions are and what your gifting is and what you are supposed to do. Absolutely. 100%. We're now going to pass the offering plate. And no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, that is that is so true. And so um, I want to back up to the whole college deal too, because so I, I definitely went and had a backup plan. Mom, you know, my mom and dad both have supported me in everything that I wanted to do, but I definitely say what my dad would be more of a stickler of, okay, when you graduate college, you need to go get a state job, you need to go do this, you need to go do, and da 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 da. And finally, one day after, um, you know, I'd been working hard on on learning the business and and getting ready to do this this project, and he was kind of on that 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 banter, and I finally looked at him and I said, Dad, I said, I'm I'm not going to go do something just to say I have a retirement in 20 years when I have not enjoyed or contributed to what I'm working on or doing. I said, this is what I enjoy. I have my own timeline as far as if this doesn't work, I have a backup plan. But Mm -hmm. the thing about it is I actually was in with a producer the other day, um, works relatively close with Dolly. Um, and actually, Dolly was in the studio about 30 minutes before we got there. And I was like, Dick Gummit, I still haven't met her yet. I'm working on it, but it does, you know, I just want to meet her one time. And he said something very interesting to me that um, kind of caught my attention. And, you know, I've always been a person I like to plan. I do like to have a backup plan just in case, you know, doesn't quite go the way you want. But he said, you know, if you know that this is what you want to do. It's that passion. It's that fire. It's that faith. And you know deep down in your heart that that is it. He said, commit 120% to it. He said, Uh yeah, college is great. No, I'm not dissing on it. He said, but if you have a backup plan, you may more than likely fall back on it because when the getting gets tough in what you're doing, it's it's easier to step away from it. And I looked at that and I said, you know what? I said, I'm not going to lie. I said, I could be guilty of that in some ways. Because it's like, well, this isn't quite going the way I want. Well, I can just go over here and teach or do this and da-da-da-da. And it's like, no. I, I can do that for about six to eight months. And I, I'm, I've am i got that 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 gnawing at, at me again saying, um, hello. There's something right. over here that you're missing out on. And you're not giving it due justice or time. So I I agree 100% that if you know, just go for it, man, and and get 
if you don't have that support system, find your group, find your people that that are going to get behind you and believe in you 100%. That is phenomenal. Again, we're going to pass the offering plate now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Hey, hey, we'll go to church in a New York minute and we'll have some fun. (laughs) There you go. You You know, speaking of Dolly, uh, you know, I've had the 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 wonderful opportunity during the past few years to work with her uh, and her brother, Randy, who who just passed away this past January. Um, We produced together, he and I, her family show at Dollywood called My People, My Music. Yes. Oh, I love that show. I've seen it. It is so good. Oh, great. Well, the last two years of it, I was the the director for it and um, got to work with Dolly on that and, and, she's just i mean what else, you know everybody loves dolly she right. she such a she should be such an inspiration to to children as well because yes. when you her from her childhood and where she came from and what she's accomplished uh you know to me right there i i think she's such a a, a shining inspiration to to kids all over the world and especially like with her imagination library and what she does through that reading program and everything. So there's so much, but again, I wish there was a quote that she uses and I wish I could remember it because it would be so fitting. Uh, It has something to do with those that are wanting to do things, you know, do them, but those that want, don't want to do them, get out of our way. Right. Move it or lose it. (laughs) Right. I'm not phrasing it right, but you know, in her own little Dolly way, she, she would say that, um, and I just think that, yeah, she's bringing her up is just a, uh, a great way to, uh, for kids to know that you can be whatever you want to be if you set your mind to it. And she's living proof of that. Absolutely. Dolly is, she has been such a big inspiration and in, in just my career alone. Um, I always say, first of all, as an entertainer, if I've inspired or, or helped one person, whether that's with a song, uh, an interview, show, whatever the case may be, my job is done, regardless of how big, how small, uh, worldwide known, whatever. It, it's my, that's my job is is to help people, and I think Dolly is such a master. She is a master dream catcher and 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 a dreamer. That's that's the biggest thing. And I remember right. when her movie Code of Many Colors came out. I saw so many direct correlations in her way of thinking with my way of thinking that I literally, you know, I'm not, I don't like to say I'm an emotional person, but that just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is insane at how close and directly that, that my thought process is with hers. And I've always said, if I could be half of the person that Dolly Parton is, I would consider myself successful, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, she's just, she's one of yeah. those people. She loves everybody. That is crucial, by the way, on getting where you want to go in life, people. Um, yes. You have to be, you know, nice to everybody and, and work your way up that ladder. And what I love about Dolly is she's not afraid of hard work at all. She's right. not afraid to get her hands dirty. So, uh, you know, I think the Lord blesses those who who uh, sow good deeds, and man, has she sown plenty of fields in uh, in this yeah. lifetime alone. <laughs> and, and still going strong. I mean, there's no her career more is more on fire now than it has been in years. Yeah, and and it's just amazing. 
uh, some of the things that are forthcoming that she's going to be doing that I've been uh, aware of that it's just like, my goodness, you know, she's going to be 76 years old in, in, um, January and it's no stopping her. But, you know, I will tell you when, when we were putting together the, the Maya people, my music show, we went up to her old cabin where she grew up oh. and we shot, we shot some B roll up there because we were going to use that in the opening of the show. And I walked into that cabin and I just stood there and Jesse Lynn, it's just, it, it's, it's so small. And to imagine that there were 11 kids and mom and dad in this cabin, and it was just this rush that came over me of this, this woman that grew up in this environment like this. Yeah. And now she's touched the world. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, yeah, it was, it's, it's mind blowing. I, I wish everybody could see that and, and experience that. Well, it's amazing because one thing I think, and, and you'll probably agree with me on this, having worked with her on uh, several occasions, humble beginnings, I think, are... Um, there's a lot to be said for that, and Dolly has never missed an opportunity to be thankful and gracious to right. those who helped her on the way up and those who are still helping her. Um, it, it just, that has, it has I think, made the greatest impression on me with Dolly. Of course, I've been a fan of Dolly ever since I was a little girl, you know, I, teeny tiny running around singing Dolly songs, and the fact that, you know, that's she's been a part of my entire life um sure. and and she's never missed an opportunity to thank the people that were at her shows that have contributed to her career that are contributing to her career um mm -hmm. she's just never missed that opportunity at all right absolutely and and on the opportunity, let's let's kind of jump into that because obviously you guys don't miss opportunities at all in your job. Tell me a little bit about this. So I also know you do produce um, one of the shows for uh, my good friend Myron Nash. Um, mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about that show in particular, because needless to say, I'm I'm a little bit of a you know a junkie when it comes to this. <laughs> Sure, sure. We have a brand new mini series that I host, and it's on Clicks TV. Yes. Uh, people can just go to Clicks. It's C L I X TV dot com. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a streaming platform, and uh, you could just go to Nashville Unwrapped. That's the name of the show. And basically, what it is, it's Clicks TV is set up right now as binge watching, where all of the episodes are just two to three minutes. Uh, where it just kind of pulls you in and you want to watch the next and the next and the next. So uh, that's been the format uh, of the of it being set up that way. So what we've done with Nashville Unwrapped, I, I, I came in contact with Myron Nash through another project that we were doing together. And he's just, he's an amazing man, as you already know. Amazing yes. man of God. He's yes. knowledgeable and experienced, you know, coming from Hollywood, He's not a you know, but telling everybody he's not that Hollywood type. Yeah, he's and and he's not. That's the greatest thing is yeah. he's not that Hollywood yeah. type. But it's it's amazing. Please continue. I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, so we we de we designed this show called Nashville Unwrapped, and uh, Clicks TV signed it on, and we've been doing very very well with it. When it first launched for uh, X amount of weeks, we were the number one rated 
program on there. There's lots of programming that you can can see. What we basically do is we go around Nashville and we unwrapped little hidden nuggets. Like we went in and did an episode on the inside of Patsy Klein's home, which ironically went up for sale this past I week. I saw that. I was like, I found our house. I yes. was like, uh, that's where I'm moving to. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'll tell you, to be inside that home, there was just this really, uh, I, I, it was like an energy that was in there that like that Patsy's presence or her spirit, just, you know, everything about it, they, they preserved as much as they could of the home uh, as the way she was when she went, when she lived there. Right. Uh, it was pretty cool to be inside of that home. Um, but we did an episode on that. We went down to Johnny Cash's uh, private farm. Uh, we did uh, an episode on Johnny Cash's, uh, the general store that he and June purchased, and they turned it around to go uh, for a place that they could do concerts on Saturday night for the folks in the in the county. Right. Uh, we did an episode on the Goo Goo Cluster and the history of the Goo Goo. And uh, let's see, what else? There's, there's some other episodes on there. I'm just kind of leaving my mind right now. Uh, but we've got quite a few on there that I think people would enjoy. Just seeing a little... Uh, little nuggets of Nashville that that are kind of off the beaten path of the tourist scene. Right. That you think about things that you would not be able to see. Well, obviously, when you come to Nashville, you go to the Grand Ole Opry, you can go, oh, yeah. you know, the Hall of Fame and the Rhine and all. These are things that are a little bit avant garde and a little bit left of center that people might want to know about. Yeah, absolutely. I know when I first started coming to Nashville, I was seventeen, and um, of course, it's you know, to a seventeen-year-old trying to figure out and you know, say, all right. We're going to Nashville to figure out this business, and you do. You you naturally go to the first come attractions that you are kind of the center of attention. But then I started finding out the little nuggets of Nashville. So I, I I'm I'm excited about this. This is good. People yeah. need to check this out. It's funny you should mention Clicks TV because we actually just did an interview um, with Jeff yesterday. Yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, perfect timing on how these episodes will actually pan out um, in in the actual podcast world. So this this will be cool. This is exciting. I'm so glad y'all brought that yeah. up. You know, what yeah. is it like to actually produce a show? And, and, and so let me back this up in asking. So I have a radio background, a um, little bit of TV, but on, I was on the other side of the camera. I was on the front side of the camera, so not really ever... <laughs> behind the scenes what, what's it like tell me what is it like to actually produce a show like uh nashville unwrapped well you know it's a team effort uh we've got a great team that that everybody has their you know their their responsibility of what they have to do uh myron is really great at just you know the the, the script writing and together we come up with just the concepts of what we want to do and then our uh, Mike Green, our videographer and editor and whatnot, we all just, we have this, this energy together that when we do it, it just, it just works. You got to have a good team of people that are so knowledgeable in their own area. Right. So that way throw it all in there together and make it, make it worthwhile for something to come out of it really good. So, um, you know, it, it, what, what's really difficult for me is because I produce not only in TV, but I produce live shows as well, live production shows. So the elements are so different when you're talking TV versus live. Lives. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, so, oh, that's amazing. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like taking off one hat to put on another hat. And, and even though the same common denominator is you're trying to produce something in general, uh, there are different 
elements to each one that just uh, kind of make it challenging in different areas. Right. Absolutely. Because at least some, unless you're shooting a live production with the, with the TV, you know, there's always, as I like to call it, a redo button. Um, when you go live production, it's a whole different ballgame because it's live and there's no oops button to yes. hit and, and redo um, yeah. at all. <laughs> I got tickled. My, um, my grandmother and her twin sister, I had brought them into the studio for my first studio album project back in 2016. And um, this, keep in mind, it had been 30 years since they had been in the studio together. And when they cut, they cut on vinyl. It wasn't, you know, on Pro Tools and on these high-powered mics. You know, everything was live. That was it. You, <laughs> you better have right. it down. And I got mm. tickled because my grandmother, she's like, what do we do if we mess up? I'm afraid we're going to mess up. And I said, Nan. There's this wonderful thing now called erase <laughs> and redo. And I said, this is not like cutting vinyl. It's, you know, we can have multiple goes at it and just yes. don't worry about it. Just sing, just have fun, you know. And um, it, I just got so tickled at her, though, because she's like, what if we mess up? I'm, I'm afraid we're going to mess up. I'm like, it's not live. We're okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, speaking of that, you know, we did an episode uh, for Clicks TV uh, for Nashville Unwrapped at the RCA Studio B. Ooh, I bet that's awesome. It really, you know, to be in that room where that many people, Elvis and even Frank Sinatra, uh, you know, they all recorded there. Uh, it's, It's amazing to think the technology, when you learn the lack of technology that was during that time as opposed to what we have now. I know we were listening to, um, it was a recording of Patsy where they stripped all the all of the, the musicians out, all the music out, and it was just her raw vocal. Oh, wow. And at that time, when you listen to something like that and you hear that her voice was almost, I mean, there's nothing that's perfect, but if there's anything vocally that ever was perfect, it would be Patsy Cline. Wow. Not a, not a pitch issue nothing and it just really makes the hair stand back on the on the back of your neck when you hear something like that and how what these artists had to endure as far as to create who they were who their artistry was without a lot of bells and whistles right absolutely we didn't have you didn't have auto tune back then you didn't have you know if a guitar went out of tune midway through the song you couldn't hit a mute button and retune and join back with the band it was it was here we go it's funny you Mm. should bring up patsy because one of my favorite um one of my favorite memories actually i've of course patsy died before i was even born but um Mm -hmm. i was at the hank williams music festival down in georgiana alabama and we got there and i was performing both days of the festival and they have a picking porch the on the thursday that you're down there and they said jess come on up here and and you know sing and pick a few with us and i said okay and i'm sitting here thinking i'm like okay they're gonna pull out some hank williams stuff all of this and i'll be darned they called out walking after midnight (laughs) i was like i went back to the to the rig and uh, mom's like well what are you gonna do and i said well, they want me to do a Patsy Cline. And I remember my mom looked at me and she said, don't you dare screw this up. <laughs> I was just like, okay. And she said, that is a classic. If you're going to do Patsy, you better do it right and don't <laughs> mess it up. And it's funny, Patsy has, her, her. first of all, her music is just, 
people, if y'all don't know who Patsy Cline is, you need to go check her out. Um, But it's funny because I have other stories like that that happened. Um, Ronnie McDowell's a good friend of mine, and we were at one of his shows, and Ronnie Jr. told me, he said, be prepared. He knows you're here. Um, He may call you up to do a song. And I said, okay, well, what song? And he said, more than likely, it's going to be Patsy Cline's Crazy. And I'm like, okay, all right, great. So (laughs) I am going out to make sure, okay, this is my key. This is what we're doing. I actually stepped out of the show to make sure that I had all of my P's and Q's ready to go. Because when he called me, I was not going to screw up a Patsy Cline song. And it, and for that reason, what you just said, you could strip everything out of her tracks oh, yeah. and just vocally be one, I mean, dang near 100%, if not more, to be honest. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally amazing. And, you know, and speaking of that particular episode, because I know you were asking me, you know, what's it take to produce? And, and sometimes you got to do things a little bit organically or grassroots in order to get what you want. Right. This particular home of hers was not open to the public, but. We lived two streets over from where Patsy's house was. Wow. So I told Darianne one night, I said, I want to do an episode on Patsy's house. And it was a rainy Saturday night and it was storming outside. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? And it was just an impulse. I said, I'm going to go ahead and write a letter right now. And I'm going to get in the car and drive over there and drop it in the mailbox. Yeah. And so I did. And I thought, ah, oh, they're not going to, I'm not going to hear back from them. And the next thing I know it, I get a call from, uh, one of the owners and they said, yes, we'd love for you to come on in. We'll open up the home to you and everything and just do what you need to do. Wow. So, Talk about just the ask. You just got to ask. <laughs> that's You can't be afraid. You just, again, stemming back to just going for what you want, you know, cause the most you can get is a no. That's right. You know, it, and it's funny. A lot of times people make it a challenge sometimes to get a hundred no's before they get one. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. I, 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 and, and this is not an all braggadocious, but I, I get tickled when people ask me, well, how have you done this? And I'm like, what do you mean? How have I done this? They're like, well, have you met so-and-so and this, that, and the other? And I'm like, I asked, <laughs> that's really all I did. Uh, you know, I, I have a, a, a mentee student with uh, Belmont and she's like, well, how did you get to meet so-and-so? Like, how did y'all connect? I said, I picked up the phone and called him. I said, a friend of mine gave me his number and said, hey, you need to connect with him and um, tell him who you are. Tell him who I am, which, you know, we're good friends and tell him that I sent you. And uh, okay, so, you know, at 18, I'm picking up the phone, calling one of the biggest producers (laughs) saying, hey, this is me. I'm going to come by your studio. (laughs) There you go. <laughs> so, <Good. laughs> so people don't underestimate the power of the ask because sometimes that could be just that one breakthrough or that opportunity that you need and, and to walk through that door. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me tell you, Barry, this has been fantastic. I don't want to run us over time. All I can say is, and and I've said this with every podcast, so that means all of y'all are doing fantastic. We've got to do a second follow-up. And the next time, as I mentioned, maybe this is a little hint for those of you listening. It may be on video. Um, So we we shall see what comes down the pipeline and who knows what opportunity that will be. But before we go, I would like for you to share um, one good solid piece of advice that you would give to anyone who's wanting to um, get out there and catch their dreams or even start in the entertainment industry. Sure, sure. You know, if you've got goals for yourself, set them, set them high. And no matter what level 
of success you reach in it, you've still been successful. You don't, let's just say, uh, hypothetically, you, you're wanting to be a recording artist. If you're recording music and you're happy and you're making a living off of it, that's success. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to hold that CMA award and have a number one hit and a, you know, and a platinum selling album and stadium tours. That's success as well. Success is what you make it. So I always try to tell people that set your goals high, go for it, dream big. And when you get to a certain level, and even I, I look at, there's no such thing as failure. That's right. When, when something happens and it doesn't work out, I look at it as God's protection. And it's because that doorway is going to close and another one's going to open. So never look at something that you've tried and that did not work out for you the first time as a failure, because that is that road is going to lead to something else. And, and it, our, our, our destiny is all planned out by God. And all we have to do is live it, but we need to have the, the bandwidth to persevere. And that's how we attain our goals. And I, I, that would be my advice I would give to anybody. Wow. that And folks, if you have your pen and paper, uh, you need to write that down. And if you need to rewind it, uh, go back, uh, rewind it and listen to it again, because that is absolutely spot on. And Barry, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast today. And hope hopefully next time we'll get Darianne on as well. Um, but oh, you've yes. been phenomenal. And, and I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Thanks, Jesse Lynn. It's been a pleasure, and I look forward to talking again very soon. Absolutely. Real quick, if you'd like to share your social media and how folks can connect with you and follow your journey, would you mind sharing that with us? Sure, yeah. All of our socials are just Barry Darianne Amato, and her name is spelled D-A-R-I-A-N-N-E. Uh, so, yeah, if you just we would love to connect with you and and uh, follow your path of what you're doing as well. We just, we love it. That's, that's the thing we love so much about social media is the connection that we make with people and following other people and what they do. I mean, that's, that's, that's the beauty of it right there. Absolutely. 100%. Barry, thank you so much. Folks, you all have been listening to the Be a Dreamcatcher podcast. We hope you all have enjoyed this episode. Be sure to go out, uh, follow Barry and Deary Ann on all social media platforms. Make sure you subscribe and follow this podcast on Spotify podcast and Apple podcast. Make sure to saddle on up and head on down the trail because we'll see you guys next time right here on the Be a Dreamcatcher podcast. podcast.